Hello guys, welcome to a special edition podcast of the United Way. After playing like a million games in a few months, the season is finally over. That doesn't mean we're done with football as we have Euros to look forward to. This is a Euro special preview edition. Uh it, it's a little different from other previews as uh we're looking at it from a United perspective and also football perspective to be pretty honest. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of tactical discussions and uh lineups and what players bring to their team most importantly we are hoping that united players come back uninjured and relatively fresh uh wouldn't mind an odd upset like england getting out perhaps i would prefer uh, france or portugal getting knocked out in that group stage uh, anyway let's go ahead uh, uh, with pranav and aniro then take it from there hi so hi guys how are you All well, all well. Right, so the Euros are almost upon us, and uh, as promised, we are doing a Euro special uh, episode. So, you know, before so, you know, specific teams and which United players are playing, I thought just you know let's first go through the format because I felt uh, it's a bit odd. Uh, you know, we have been used to. no very simple group stage formats where you know you play in groups of four and the top two teams just you know qualify for the next round and the other two basically go home but uh, you know since the last euros uh, the the tournament has been expanded to 24 teams instead of the usual 16 so what it means is that uh, you know 16 teams qualify for the next round out of the 24 so two thirds of the teams in the group stages will qualify which you know, i felt some somewhat you know devalues the group stage a bit so how it will work is you know the teams are divided into uh, six group of six groups of uh, four teams each top two obviously in each group qualify so that's 12 teams and uh, you know out of the six uh, third place teams the best four in terms of the highest points and i guess there will be then be deciders in terms of goals difference goals scored etc so those best four teams will also join the other 12 teams so you know unless you are like a really poor side finish bottom of the group or you are very unfortunate like hungary you know and drawn against france portugal and germany you are you know probably in with a very good shout of making it to the knockout stages so it kind of uh, you know takes away the little bit of the excitement in the group stages but i mean that's what it is so how excited are you guys for the euros uh i'm quite excited especially after the champ- uh, the champions league final and the europa league final a bit kicked on to see what players do in the euros and what players we sign after it's going to be quite fun I think uh, I'm also looking forward to the Euros, uh, pretty much so. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to. I mean, there's a lot of young talent that's going to be on display. So I was just uh, uh, going through the squads of some of the teams, and I think there's a lot of buzzing youngsters, young talent uh, that'll be on display. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how they perform, and uh, who knows? I mean. a phenomenal performance at the euros and they could be catching the eye of the top uh, 
Premier League clubs or even some of the bigger clubs across Europe. So yeah, I think interesting times ahead. Right. So to interject though, uh, that uh, deciders are going to be points, goal difference, then goal scored, then goals conceded. If all of this is the same, then it goes to fair play conduct and then to UEFA ranking. Yeah. So, I guess it won't come down to that. But, uh, I mean, I actually had forgotten, right? Euro 2016 also was decided on the same ground. So, but I mean, it's so long time ago, I mean, almost five years now. So, didn't somehow didn't pay too much attention to this format last time around. Anyway, so let's start by, you know, first looking at it from a United perspective. Uh, there are, I guess, 11 or 12 uh, United players. Uh, so Dylan Levitt was also there. So I was maybe 10 first-teamers and one more academy player who is going to be uh, represented at the Euros. Uh, four of them, obviously, uh, in the England squad. So let's start with England. Uh, Dean Henderson, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, and Marcus Rashford. Mm, so, one, no, very United being very well represented in the English side this time around. Uh, a few interesting things here. Uh, like we have been you know, having a debate of Dagaya versus Henderson at the club level. Uh, somehow, you know, there has not been too much of a noise whether you know, Pickford should start or Henderson should start. Uh, people have assumed, and I think that's what will play out, that Pickford is definitely going to start, which I you know, personally find to be a bit odd. Uh, whenever you see you know, him playing for Everton, there is always a mistake around the corner. And uh, extremely rash. So not somebody that you would you know, trust in crunch situations in a European championship. But uh, you know, somehow he does have the trust of the manager. So, what do you guys think about that situation? Uh, to be honest, I think uh, it's it's only fair that he that uh, Pickford gets to start because he's been the regular international keeper for England for a while now. Yes, his club form has been shaky. He's not been, I mean, he's not been that great for Everton. But I think if he's if he has the trust of the manager. I mean, uh, it's only fair that, like, you know, he at least gets his chances. And uh, we've seen so many times, um, I mean, like, uh, players, I mean, they, 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 they have different, I mean, they have different sets of fortunes at club and country level. So, I think uh, if he's done well internationally and if uh, Gareth Southgate feels that Pickford is his best option, I think uh, it's only fair that he gets his chances. Yes, I mean, in the group stages, if he comes up short or if he uh, fumbles and if he's rash as he's been for Everton, I mean, I'm sure like the likes of Henderson will be snapping on his heels. So, coming to Dean Henderson specifically, I don't see Henderson really uh, getting much of a look in. And uh, to be fair, apart from, uh, uh, I mean, in this United uh, setup, from an uh, English national team perspective, I mean, uh, barring maybe Harry Maguire, if fit, and even uh, Luke Shaw, I really don't see uh, Rashford being a first-teamer at this point in time. Rashford or Henderson. Rashford has been carrying an injury and 
I don't think he's an automatic starter also in uh, Garrett Southgate's uh, first first eleven. So I think uh, he he's going to be more of an impact substitute is the, the feeling that I get. But uh, obviously, I think with the group stages with so many games to be played, I mean uh, I'm sure Rashford will get his chances. But it's also how his injury gets uh, managed. Uh, I was quite looking forward to seeing Greenwood at the Euros. I feel like he would have done probably pulled a Wayne Rooney, but yeah, that's I guess the boat has sailed. Uh, uh, to be honest, the England contingent at United doesn't excite me much. Uh, it's we've seen the best and the worst of them at United week and week out, so it's quite all right. I'm hoping Maguire doesn't play. To be honest, I think he's going to break the minimum working hours record this year. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Luke Shaw, Ben Chilwell having won the Champions League is sure to get a nod ahead of Shaw. Um, yeah, I think Rashford, I'm hoping he starts. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Sterling. Great feet, so he might get a nod. So, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I think in... Uh... One of the you know Euro preview shows few months back, I think Gary Neville had made the point that uh, Harry Maguire is as important to England as Harry Kane is, and uh, you know his explanation was that if in case Kane gets injured, then there is still a lot of talent, uh, good good talent that can replace him. Obviously not at Kane's level, but and then you can you know play with the tactics and go with the false nine also and play say Sterling there. But if Maguire gets in, you know, the next guy who comes in uh, way below his level and probably doesn't have that same level of international pedigree. And, you know, some now if you look at the choices, it's probably Connor Cody or uh, uh, Tyron Mings, right? So, kind of see his point. And, but I think, yeah, from an England uh, in United perspective, I'm most fearful about the injuries aspects. So, I am actually very pleased that, uh, you know, Greenwood is not playing. So I think next season it can be really big for Greenwood for United. Uh, he has season. So, a season or a summer of rest should probably do him a world of good. And I'm honestly pretty worried about Maguire and Rashford because they are the kind of players... You know, even if they are 50% fit, they will at least make it to the bench, if not more. So, there is a chance that, you know, they aggravate some of the injuries that they are carrying. And as it is, it seems that Rashford is due for a surgery post the Euros. So, just hoping, you know, that they don't make it worse. And a, a, a point I'd like to add here, just to conclude on the England piece here, is uh, I think uh, <laughs> it's funny actually. But uh, the the centre-back uh, conundrum which uh, United face currently, wherein they have a quality centre-back in Harry Maguire and not as good a partner alongside him, is somewhat the situation even with England. And I think I, I see that to be the biggest stumbling block for England in, uh, England's progression in the Euros. I think the lack of a, an able partner alongside uh, Harry Maguire is going to be uh, a teething problem that uh, Gareth Southgate and England are going to face, not only for this Euros, 
but i think even going uh, forward like you know looking ahead to the world cup i think i think both united and england need to kind of fi- find an able partner for harry maguire and nowadays i think you can sign players for international duty also that's what emery laporte did it was very funny <laughs> Isn't John Stones the preferred starting center back uh, apart from Maguire and Diego? Yes. Yes, he's. I'm saying after his season at City and I I would consider him to be of all right quality as a partner too to be very honest. Though he's a City player but still. The one player I'm hoping to see falter really badly for England is Raheem Sterling. I think I'm I'm kind of tired with his hype. I think he needs to either perform or just fizzle out i guess this uh, there are some uh, murmurs that uh, guardiola is looking to sell him so not sure yeah i read 100 million uh, to arsenal and i was like why would 100 million for him sterling but i guess english player in premier league experience arsenal is not going to pay 100 million even for mbappe so no let's forget about sterling going to <laughs> arsenal i guess <laughs> Yes. Also, uh, what is I'm not really sure. What is Jaden Sancho's uh, start lineup? Uh, is he guaranteed a start or not really? No, he's not. Basically, so actually, it's very interesting. You know, this Euros getting delayed by a year has kind of altered the fortunes of many players. So, if you look at England from a year back, then you know uh, at least two out of Sterling, Rashford, and Sancho would be starting each and every game. You no, know, from the left and from the right, uh, right, just True. behind Harry Kane. And now, you know, all the clamor is to get Phil Foden, uh, Jack Grealish, and Mason Mount into the team. So I think uh, if they play all the three together, it's playing like uh, you know too many players of similar uh, you know style where they are technically very good, but they all like to drift inside and play. Uh, no more more of a central role so i hope at least uh, and honestly speaking sancho is probably talented than all of them except maybe foden so i just hope so there is a category of wide pacey players in sterling sancho and rashford and then there are these you know intricate passing david silva type players in uh, foden mason mount and grealish so I guess the biggest challenge for Southgate is to find the perfect balance between the two two camps, so to say. Uh, and if he gets it right, then I guess England should have one of the most feared, uh, you know, front four or front five. But let's see what he does. Yeah, it's also going to impact, I guess, uh, Sancho's price as well with the Euros. Yeah, so he's okay. come into the Euros on very on a very strong uh, form. So I. I am hoping we conclude the deal before the Euros, and so in case he goes and has a, like a great tournament, so you never know what will happen after that. Yeah, it's going to be that hundred and twenty million tug of war again. Yeah. So looking at some of the other teams, also uh, having a United presence, I think uh, uh, stating the obvious, France, Paul Pogba, I think. Uh, I mean, he's. We know that he's going to be starting in the central midfield positions in a possible double pivot with Engolo Kante. So uh, again, uh, guys, uh, again, I know we've had this discussion multiple times, but uh, 
it just it just kind of strikes me that the Paul Pogba that plays for France is a completely different beast to the Paul Pogba that plays for Manchester United. I mean, it's I think been what five seasons with United now, almost. Yes. Uh, and we still don't know. We still don't know what's his best position for Manchester United. But whereas when he's playing for France, I think uh, we very clearly know. We very clearly understand what his role is. So I think uh, maybe a cue for United over there. I would say you need players like. and then golo kante uh, or like they had blaze matuidi at the world cup i think and we've discussed this on our earlier episodes of the podcast also that united need to think on those lines and uh, let's just take a little bit of a step back and if you look at the best times paul pogba has had for manchester united it has been alongside a thriving nemanja matic in his matic in his first season for united and towards the end of uh, project restart when ole employed the double pivot of matic and pogba so i think a younger matic would i would i think go a long way in i think uh, solving the paul pogba conundrum like fitting in paul pogba and bruno fernandes in the same team plus having the attacking talent that we have up front and you can clearly see that strategy works for france really well to be very honest as it off of pop i think we all know technically france is probably the best team at club and international level in the world right now uh, when it comes to depth and technique and positional uh, competence but i think it's just i think we're building a squad some way off but we come around uh It's fun to see Pogba playing uh, more than the way he plays. Uh, that maturity level that he shows for France is something that is amiss for United, which I don't think is really uh, based on better technique players. But I guess it's just the feeling of playing for your country and not for money. And there is something patriotic about representing your country at an international tournament every four years. I guess. maybe and like jose mourinho pointed out right it's easier to lock yourself up for eight weeks or six weeks and focus everything on a tournament instead of doing it for a good 38 40 weeks around the year so yeah yeah i think that's that's the key point right i mean when you are with france he just has to focus on the next month or one and a half months maybe five or six matches you play in a certain way and you win the world cup or you win the euros when that's you know very good motivation for any player and uh, you know interesting uh, that you know every time you know this uh, topic comes up of you know pogba at united versus pogba for france people keep saying that he uh, you know he has the benefit of play kante in france but if you you know the funny thing is that kante has actually not been able to replicate his Chelsea form for France. I think his World Cup final uh, performance was maybe probably he was the worst player for France. Uh, I think that last minute uh, howler by Hugo Lloris maybe gives him that award. But otherwise, he was you know one of the worst players. So I think as Rusha pointed out, it, it seems like more of a mindset issue. Even at United, you've seen Pogba, uh, you know, playing at a very 
consistently high level for a period of 2 3 months so he is capable of doing that and i guess this is the endless debate about pogba right that yeah you, know, you know his natural ceiling is way higher than what he is producing and uh, for some reason we keep uh, trying try we keep finding excuses for him that he is not been played in the right position or you know he is not had the right partner etc etc i think finally it comes down to the drive the focus let's say uh, bruno fernandes has brought to the team i think that's the finally you know the missing link here and interestingly he is going to come up against bruno fernandes in the group stage yeah i think probably that was just... in a one on one role Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's what I was coming to. So, obviously, the next I mean, team we've got to be looking at and focusing is Portugal. I think uh, it has Bruno Fernandes, uh, Portuguese Magnifico. And it ha- also has an uh, ex-United superstar in Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, so, okay, as much as everyone likes to talk about uh, France being the favourites to win the Euros, I... I I am seriously I I I'm thinking of Portugal as serious contenders because they've got a very steady backline. They have a very solid midfield. I mean they have the likes of Joao Moutinho, Ruben Neves, they have uh, Bruno Fernandes and let's not forget the young Portuguese sensation uh, Renato Sanches who had taken this very competition by storm in 2016. So and he's uh, come a long way and uh, i see i see really portugal uh, thriving in this tournament and they have multiple attacking options compared to 2016 where 2016 ronaldo was literally carrying the team on his own back i think now they have uh, people like uh, diego jota i mean yao felix has... sorry yao felix oh yeah absolutely yao felix so again i mean that portuguese team is bursting with talent and i think I I I I really think they could really be challenging France for the Euros this time. France will not have it uh, uh, that easy as they've had it say at the World Cup. So I mean for me I mean I'm I won't be surprised if we see Portugal in the finals. No definitely I mean <clears throat> France and Portugal definitely seem to be that best two teams both in terms of the team balance as well as the depth that they have. Uh come specifically for bruno i think i i'm really hoping that you know on the back of it the uh, you know great 18 months of football that it's that he's produced he ends up winning you know a really significant trophy personally that's what i would wish which is why you know i would hope that portugal win this tournament and uh, you know like we were having this debate about pogba uh, to a slightly lesser extent the reverse is true for bruno fernandes uh, you know he came to united and he is just you know uh, taken over the club basically he everything runs through him in the team and you no know, on and off the pitch is he is the main guy somehow that's not happened for portugal obviously when you play for portugal you are always in the shadow of the great man but uh, bo even in terms of on the pitch performance i think he's still trying to feel his way around there uh, should i mean this tournament should ideally be a great platform for him it's the first you know major tournament after his move to united first time he is under the spotlight 
very interesting to see how he copes he's been he's played like uh, you know 200 games this season already so uh, i hope that's you know not a limiting factor for him uh, i'm i, I think uh, uh, my portugal might lose the midfield battle according to me the defense is quite solid the front uh, five looks scary but the middle two are i guess relatively suspect according to me but i guess it's for us to see in six more days yeah i mean uh no when the draw came uh, no everybody was feeling so sorry for poor hunger to have this for even the in a uh, slightly weaker teams have a good chance because you know the third third place teams also can qualify and then you are put in such a group where probably there is no chance of coming third so and that was a bit funny another you know interesting thing is that the uh, the runner up of this group will probably face england i'm assuming england will top their group so i mean we are discounting germany as of now i i personally think they will end up third but so it might be england versus france or england versus portugal in the round of 16 that should be the pick of the fixtures in that round yep so again another team that uh, i'd like to discuss and talk about uh a significant united players presence is uh wales is and wales obviously has dan james so again interesting thing guys uh dan james has been a very focal presence for wales on the left hand side as a left winger whereas we've seen him in united operate primarily from the right i think it's on a very rare occasion that he's been played from the left hand side uh another very interesting stat so his goals and assist ratio for united also from the left wing is much better than his output from the right wing maybe something for like you know even ole gunnar solskjaer to look at and he's done very well for wales he's uh he's he's come on he's uh, he's produced the goods goals assists he runs the channels uh, he's i mean he's quick he's spacey and we know what dan james can bring to the table i think uh, i think the fondest memory that i have of dan james from last season i think it has to be the last game against wolves it's fresh in my memory where he i think he produced a fantastic uh, cross for anthony elanga to uh, put the goal away for the first goal but then he also produced a moment of absolute madness wherein he's just missed a straightforward one on one with the goalkeeper so i think that's been dan james for united but uh, i think we clearly see a difference in the roles dan james at club level and country level and uh, uh, again interesting question to you guys is uh, do you think uh, ole can utilize him in a much better way and seeing how he has been doing for wales uh i think uh, he can be utilized in a better way but he's always in my opinion going to be second fiddle to rashford on the left but uh, it's better for him to at least play on the right than no not play if you have a fit and rearing rashford when you have a slot on the right or you want to shuffle players on the right maybe give greenwood a rest there's only natural that you give your speedy winger a shot at the other flank 
uh, I think he's a good team player. The cross to Anthony Alanga was so beautiful; it is not funny. But left-footed that too. Um, I, I I like Dan James. I think he's a great squad player. You don't hear anything in the press about him. He's not demanding as is. He's playing for his country. He's an international cap player. I think there's only reasons to be pleased with him's involvement in the United setup. I yeah, heard he's so also a diligent trainer. Uh, sorry, Pranav. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's all. I, I've just read that he's apparently a very diligent uh, trainer as well. So, I guess that adds to his CV. But please go ahead. Yeah, it, obviously, he seems like a very hard-working person. Very good team player to have. But if you analyze his game, I think there are just two ways in which you know, he's effective. Is a situation where, you know, there is a lot of space behind the defense. So, he can use his space and just run directly beyond them. Uh, we saw that in the Leeds game, for example. But, uh, you know, such situations are few, are far, few and far between when he plays for United. Because, you know, everybody tends to sit back and uh, play in basically two banks of four when they're playing against United. Uh, but when he plays for Wales... It's Wales who are doing that, right? They are the ones who are sitting back. Now, that is their strategy. They'll sit back and try to hit you on the counter. Probably one of the reasons why he's more effective for Wales than he is for United. Second point being, obviously, the stat that you pointed out about him being more effective on the left from the left. Uh, now, with the ball at his feet and with the defender in front of him, I think he has just one effective trick, which is to no, cut inside and uh, try to hit the far far top corner. Uh, obviously, that's more suited if you are you know, coming in from the left. So, I think a lot of technical limitations that he has to his game. Uh, but kind of thrives in the Wales setup because of that and because of the way they are playing. So, you know, in most of the games, even with the likes of Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey playing, Wales are going to be the underdogs, right? And I think that's what suits him, suits his style of play. If you look at the group, and I think they are in a very tough group, right? They are with Italy, Switzerland and Turkey. Uh, I, you can argue that all three of the teams are better than Wales. Definitely, Italy and Turkey are better. So, I, I think there is a good role for him in Wales. I But from a United perspective... I am struggling to see, you know, what kind of a sustained role he can have in the team, you know, except being a very, you know, except being a basically a bench player who plays like 20-25 games a season. So, also another uh, great addition that he brings is when you're playing up against a Yao Cancelo or Kyle Walker, you know he's bound to keep them quiet and sitting back trying to make sure that he doesn't break through that channel. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what I wanted to add. I think uh, he's. I think he 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 can be used tactically very well, and uh, and I think there's a reason why I say that because as Rushab rightly pointed out, if you have your marauding fullbacks from uh, the opposition, I think he is someone who's also capable of tracking back and keeping them in check, because if he goes past uh, if he goes past those fullbacks. With though, with them marauding, with uh, playing higher up, if he gets the ball and if he gets a step ahead of them, 
I think Dan James has that electric pace in him also that he can really run away and then that just opens up space and it opens up a lot of options. So I think he can be a very he he can be a very useful and a very good tactical player for United also. And again, I think he's young. So I think there's scope for improvement, there's scope for development. I won't be writing him off uh, completely. I mean, uh, I'll be very frank. I was one of the few skeptics who felt yeah, I mean, he's going to be on the sidelines for this season and he's not going to get too much of a look in but we saw since the turn of Christmas I think uh, he was one of the standout players for us and I think uh, up until the point he got injured he was getting a regular look in to the games and I feel again uh, squad depth is what we lacked we've been lacking in the last two seasons and uh, I think with the impending surgery of Rashford post the Euros also I think Dan James could be an important uh, player for United at least in the beginning in the early part of the season so I don't think that uh, we should be looking to even consider selling him and uh, I think uh, a testimony to his potential and to his uh, I think abilities is the fact that someone like Marcelo Bielsa was uh, interested in bringing Dan James to Leeds even though he was at United so I think uh, I think that 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 that's just credit to the uh, credit to the guy and uh, I think I'm looking forward to seeing him perform for Wales. So just uh, you know lastly to conclude on this Dan James point I obviously I I agree he should not be sold he's a good squad player but the point just made right about him being uh, you know very good in the press and you know very good tracking back again reinforces my point that this is the reason why no he is much better for wales than he is for united uh, when he is playing for united most of the times right united are the better team than the opposition and they are expected to be on the front foot and uh, uh, you know attack the opposition it's a it's an exception you know when the examples that you mentioned about kyle walker or cancelo when we are playing somebody like city but even in those games you know if we start with dan james and he will play on the right he'll come in for greenwood so what he brings on the defensive side you know i think we lose a lot much a lot more on the attacking side because we don't have somebody like a greenwood playing so you know that that those are few of the problems but yeah i guess we can move on from this debate now yeah so another player we i think we should be talking about is scott mctominay who plays for scotland and again the interesting part about uh, him playing for scotland is he's quite often been used as a center back so again as funny as it was seeing him playing at center back for united and seeing what a disaster it was under jose mourinho it's very interesting that he's slotted in so well as a center back for scotland so he obviously has his qualities as a midfielder and as a midfielder also he likes to I mean like more or less as a box to box midfielder so uh, again guys what do you think of scott mctominay the center back playing for scotland one thing one thing i'd like to point out to you anirudh is you know this is a classic example of uh, same player same position having very different results you know under uh, different managers say good managers versus not so good managers right steve clark versus mourinho Nothing personal against Marino. Just pointing out. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
I think I, I think you can say that about a multitude of players. Gareth Bale at Tottenham, right? Paul Pogba at United. He's had his fallouts. He's had his Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Yeah, Luke Shaw at left back. Classic example. But yeah, I think coming back to Scott McTominay, I think uh, again he's grown by leaps and bounds. Not only for United, but uh, I think even for Scotland, I think he's uh, like an ever-present in that uh, team in that setup. And he's only been his his stature is only rising, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he takes the confidence from a good United season into the national team, and how he'll be performing at the Euros. So uh, for me, again, uh, he's as a centre back, he's actually been really good, and he's actually played more as a ball playing centre back for. Scotland, which is again something very interesting. I'll be uh, having a keen uh, and a close eye on the matches of Scotland to see how exactly he is doing at the centre back position. How is he carrying the ball upfield? Uh, distribution passes towards the full backs, or even I mean, maybe one thing that is missing from his game is like those maybe those long balls or those. Those those pa- the, those long passes which we're used to seeing from say a Virgil Van Dijk or the odd occasion we've seen Victor Lindelof do it for United. But uh, yeah, I think Scott McTominay is again something who's uh, who's one to watch out for. I think different systems, right? They play with three at the back, and he's one of the you know more progressive central defenders there. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't know. It might be a stopgap thing. Uh, not sure. I mean, if you look at McTominay this season for United, uh, it's very clear that his uh, his strength is you know in being a box to box kind of a player rather than a pure defensive midfielder. Because I don't think he has that range of passing, uh, you know, like a Carrick or even a Kante to. You know, once you break up possession, it's probably you know always sideways or backwards. So I think that is a big problem, uh, which is why. Uh, but obviously, he has that odd goal in him. He has scored few of them this season. Uh, still, still not very clear in my head what's the best position. But this season seemed to give enough evidence that uh, you know rather than a six, it is more of a box-to-box role that can suit him. And uh, I'm not sure whether that, you know, experimenting with the centre-back thing, uh, at least from a United perspective, I don't think it's going to work. So, uh, looking at the last few games that Scotland have played, uh, McTominay started to play in midfield back again. I think he's also shown his value as a midfielder, like Pranav said, in the past season. So... He's back there. They've started playing here in Tierney as centre-back instead now in that back-three system. So, yeah, uh, I think he'll be good. I think he's a good leader as well. I think he's, uh, again, a squad player, uh, but uh, can give a lot to the club and so, to his country. So, just like to mention here, Scotland have a few really good players in their team. So, Kieran Tierney, Andrew Robertson, Scott McTominay. I think I mean those aren't I mean those those are really good players we're talking about. Yeah, and you know the strange thing about it is that two that best two players both 
you know play in the same position which is left back so which is why you know probably you had this shift where to accommodate both of them in the team because you know obviously you you would want to do that you play a back five where uh, back three back five where you know tierney plays as the left sided center back and robertson as the wing back and you know probably the time where mctominay was playing as the center back i think also coincided with uh, tierney being injured so which is why i was saying that uh, this doesn't seem this seems like a backup option and not the you know the way going forward i guess there's also billy gilmore from chelsea yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's uncapped i guess but yeah very very good player very highly rated yes yeah so okay. moving on to the next uh, player i think the obvious the obvious discussion and i think the most interesting discussion here is uh, for me will be the player from the netherlands and uh, recently uh, signed for united last season donny van der beek uh, again i think contrasting fortunes at the club and country level although i must say because of his lack of appearances for united at the club level i think it has somewhat kind of affected his starting position at uh, netherlands as well but we've seen like i i mean as recently as march in the international friendlies or the international games he's come on and he has scored goals so again this is a classic example of someone who's thriving in a number 10 role uh, in the attacking midfield role for his country and uh, he has not really had those chances or those opportunities for united per se even in the end, towards the end of the season he was played more as a defensive midfielder for united than as an attacking outlet or an attacking midfielder so again contrasting fortunes young player exciting he's shown in the ajax youth system he played very well for ajax in the champions league he was a prominent figure in their run until the semi finals and uh, he's thrive for the national side as well but uh, somehow he's not really adapted well to the united uh, setting guys your take on donny van der beek i mean first thing i'd like to point out here is another you see netherlands group uh, it's one of the easiest that you could have imagined right it has uh, thing north macedonia it has ukraine it has austria so again you know one of the problems and i think the the group where spain and sweden are, are also similar type very weak so you no know, one of the problems of having a 24 team anyway so netherlands as a team should definitely i guess cruise through this group in top in the top position uh i mean interesting thing about you know donny van der beek still not sure how to place him obviously i i personally feel you know ole gunnar solskjaer overall has been a very good man manager but he somehow faltered with the handling of donny van der beek uh you know it is uh, he is hardly played him obviously and whenever he's played you no know, his confidence is not going to be great so you know, it's a classic thing that uh, our favorite manager marino would do like he would drop a player for 10 games then you know play him for some 45 minutes in one game and you know then you no know, obviously his confidence is going to be shot so 
I I personally feel that uh, Ole has kind of goofed up on his man management here. Uh, I mean, it's overall a very curious case. I mean, if he didn't rate him, and it was obviously a very well stocked, uh, you know, area of our pitch, anyways. So then, why go for him? And if he has gone for him now, what is the plan going forward? I think there are more questions than answers that come to my mind, honestly, on this situation. So I think uh, it's it's going to be. I think it's the matter of time. I guess not a great. Uh, I guess uh, good with rotations or balancing out the squad quite well. As we've seen, he did that. He tired the team out. Eleven games, the same unchanged eleven uh, in his first eleven games in charge, which I think was a uh, winning streak. Or we didn't lose any games. So he's. I think he's adamant about that. As who can't really complain. In- he took charge of the club, but uh, it's a little sad. I'm hoping he starts for Netherlands. To be very honest, because otherwise uh, it's Davy Klassen or Wijnaldum. I think who also play in the same role that he. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he doesn't get a look in in the first team right now because uh, the two holding midfielders Netherlands play are Ryan Gravenberch and uh, Frankie De Jong. So then uh, it's either Wijnaldum if they are going into a more defensive setup or if they are looking at more more of ball progression, they look at Davy Klassen. Um, so yeah, so let's see, I guess, what happens. And I also think that the group stages are something that uh, a few of the coaches might look to tweak things a little to rest players out because the season has been quite grueling for most players. So, I think we're going to see definitely more rotation than we would have seen in any other traditional uh, four-year league tournament that we see otherwise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you have this insurance policy kind of thing. And if you, even if you finish third, you can yeah. qualify. And given that the season has been so long and a lot of teams are carrying injured players with them. So, yeah, we should see a lot of rotation in the group stages. And uh, lastly, I think uh, the prominent United presence we should be talking about is, uh, I think, Victor Lindelof in Sweden. So, again, he's the starting I think group, back. Uh, in the group E, right, it's Spain versus Sweden. So, Dagea yeah. and Lindelof. Dagea, yeah. Both. Yeah, but uh, Dagea unfortunately has lost his starting spot even in the national uh, setup now in Spain, and Roberto Sanchez is has kind of taken over that spot from Dagea, and uh, we have now Victor Lindelof at Sweden, who is their start- starting centre back and is apparently, uh, if we go by news reports, one of the best players in Sweden. So, I think I don't have anything much to say about that. I mean, that was actually very funny. I read. Uh, at least two or three previews, you know, where the language was that the you know, entire uh, Swedish defense is built around Lindelof, or you know, Lindelof is their best defender. It was actually very funny. Uh, uh, I guess, but to be very honest, I, I don't think they have that many. Lindelof is technically sound to a certain extent, you can agree by. At least Premier League standards, you can qualify him to be a technically sound defender. And that, for a country like Sweden, I guess, would mean quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nothing much to say here. I mean, I don't think uh, 
improve stages but uh, not sure uh, how far they can go in this tournament especially now without zlatan uh, don't seem to have too many goals in them also so, i'm uh, I, i like that emil forsberg guy who plays uh, for red bull leipzig yep mm-hmm. i like him i, I think he's quite uh, interesting he's a very uh, uh, tricky player who makes good passes as well as well so be interesting to watch and about uh, david dagea i mean i'm not sure you know thing is about this luis enrique side is that his shop and changed a lot so probably you are right that he's lost his starting place uh, but it's not as i mean it's a similar situation to what we are seeing at united right we we think that henderson is the number one but it's still not you know very clear as of now so there is this unai simon the athletic bilbao goalkeeper who is supposed to be really good no never seen him play uh, there is sanchez guy uh, but yeah i mean dagea you know even at the peak of his powers for united uh was never you know as respected in spain for some reason probably because he didn't play for madrid or barca and then on top of that he had that you know, disastrous world cup in russia uh and after that obviously his club form has also tailed off so i was reading a you know a stat which actually shocked me i mean if you look at that uh you know a stat, a stat which is tracked for all premier league goalkeepers is this post uh, post shot xg right so how many goals is the keeper considering as compared to the quality you know keeping in mind the quality of the shot so dagea has let in like eight goals more than the average goalkeeper so there was a time when you know he was way above average and now he's way worse than even the average goalkeeper so no a big decline in uh a big decline in his form and a gradual decline in his form it's very sad actually uh but yeah i i mean i don't see him playing a major role for spain in this tournament spain have more stars in their goalkeeping department than uh, wales probably do in their whole team in the form of kepa and david beria ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true uh, that but again i think uh, on uh, uh, lastly to conclude on the david de gea situation if he does get game time i just hope that he puts in a good performance because i think uh, i still see i mean he's still young from a goalkeeper's perspective he's still young so maybe a good international tournament may have a knock on effect on him for united and that can only be good for united so just hoping for the best for david de gea Or and maybe... especially after that shocker against Villa Villarreal, the penalty shootout. Uh, apparently, did you know? Did you guys know this? Luis Enrique has not taken a single player from Real Madrid to the Euros. Yes, yes. And I think that should tell you a lot about uh, <laughs> uh, about I think the way some of the uh, Spanish stars in Madrid have been performing. I think Sergio Ramos has been perennially injured for the last season, so I think uh, I think he was the one who who was a bit of a surprise miss because with his experience in the Euros, it's a short tournament. If he's fit, if he does well for Spain, I think that would have uh, 
I mean, that, he was he was your bank. He was your insurance for Spain. So, so if Sergio Ramos, was, if Sergio Ramos were English, he would definitely be on that plane. Hundred and ten percent. Hundred and ten percent. He's the he's he's the captain, right? He is the captain of the Spanish team, also. I mean, that yes. <laughs> that's the most shocking thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I I don't know why. I strongly think there is a Real Madrid uh, bias in I guess because of Luis Enrique's association with uh, Barcelona, probably. So apart from Ramos, who is which is the Spanish contingent which has missed out in Real Madrid? Isco. I think again, like Isco hasn't had enough game time, so I think that exclusion is pretty much justified. Uh, there uh, are I think uh, Asensio also, right? Asensio also. Asensio. They have Danny Almo, they have Mikel, that other fellow. Then they have Adama Traore, who's been there. <laughs> so, I think that there might be a bias. I'm not. Saying that there surely is, but I think there might be. Yeah, there. I don't know. The Spanish. Uh, we've grown up, uh, you know, looking at such great Spanish sides. This seems like a very underwhelming team, especially when you see that the lead striker is Morata. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we might, in fact, and if Morata is not playing, it's going to be Ferran Torres, the young Ferran Torres from Man City. So. Or Jared Moreno. So yeah, and he has had a good season, Moreno. Obviously, so, uh, is uh, Jared Moreno is also a Man City player, right? On loan. No, no, the Villarreal player who scored against us. Oh, in I, the thought final. I thought he's a uh, City player who's on loan. I thought no, maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no. He's Villarreal. He's out and out uh, Villarreal. Right. Yeah, pretty underwhelming, I guess. The entire team. So, guys, uh, now moving on to the next segment. After having discussed about the United presence in uh, the, uh, the Euros for various uh, national teams, I think uh, let's get on to the fun part. Uh, so, in this segment, we're going to talk about uh, individually what, uh, which is our team to, our pick to win the tournament, and our individual favorites, the team that we'd like to see doing well and progressing in the latter stages of the tournament. Rushab, starting with you. Uh, I think Germany might just win their Euros. Um, I don't think they'll have an easy way through, but I feel like their technique will come good. Uh, they have a new coach coming up, so that should be players should be out to prove their worth to the uh, coach as well. Uh, it's a good contingent. Uh, Rudiger's been in good form. Uh, Serge Nabry's been in good form. They, I'm, I'm quite convinced that they will make it through. There's I.K. Gundogan. There's a bunch of them. So, I feel like they have it what it takes, I guess. And there's just, you can't rule out luck and injuries to other key players and key teams. So, yeah. Rushab? Oh, sorry, uh, Pranav? I think uh, it's very difficult to look beyond France. Uh, even if they're second string place, they would be one of the favourites right, for this tournament. So, especially now with Benzema back in the fold. So, uh, no, it's curious the way these teams are now set up. Uh, very few of 
very few teams have you know an outs uh, uh, free scoring uh, traditional number 9 poland has it with lewandowski but you know otherwise their team is not great uh, i'm not harry kane with england is one example uh, though he is also now kind of modified his game and then you know brings us to benzema with france so france have goals all over the pitch and with benzema back in the fold i think uh, whatever little doubt there it was there was about france i think that goes away only thing is just one nagging thing is that they have a very you know tough uh, group and uh, probably a tough uh, round uh, tough uh, there are few tough rounds to negotiate before reaching the final so you no know, in knockout games anything can happen on a given day but i am still backing i think i think the finally the talent will come through um, i i can't see anybody else and i think france will follow up the world cup win with the euros win like what spain did oh, and the topic of strikers uh, there is uh, this striker artem zuba from uh, russia who is also an out and out striker who's a goal machine apparently looking forward yep. to seeing that happen yeah and uh, from from my perspective uh, i think uh, according to me i i i think Port- P- portugal has enough firepower to upset the apple cart i know france is the obvious uh, i mean it's the obvious choice the obvious front runner for the euros this time but i just see the the i just love the balance uh, of this portugal squad i just feel uh, compared to their victory in 2016 which was on the back of i mean ronaldo who was in phenomenal form but i just feel like now there there's a lot more to this portugal side there's i mean they have i mean look at this i mean they have i mean if you look at the backline they have ruben diaz they have jose fonte they have uh, i mean they have joao cancelo i mean it's the rafael guerrero i mean that's a backline to be they have pepe like the experienced pepe rui patricio in, uh, in the goalkeeping department then uh, i mean you look at their midfield ruben neves joao martinho i mean diego jota renato sanchez bruno fernandes and of course cristiano ronaldo so i think that's i think that's a massively impressive lineup and i think that is one of the teams i personally feel they can go toe to toe with france and i i'm sticking my neck out and saying it's going to be a france portugal uh, final and i see portugal I see a repeat of the 2016 Euros final and see Portugal again making it. Possible. I guess one team we have not discussed because obviously we are looking at it from a United perspective is uh, Belgium, right? They yeah. are also one of the best, better ones. And somehow I get the feeling that it's now or never for you know this generation of players, you know, Lukaku, uh, De Bruyne, etc., Hazard. Uh, it might end up you know being a similar story as the you know the england golden generation where you know all the talented players were there in the team but they couldn't win anything significant i think if they miss the boat this time around it's going to be you no know, that's basically it for this generation of players so i and with luka i think one of the most formidable teams i guess 
It is, but again, I think Belgium over the past three, four years has been all about the individual stars. I think as a team, as a cohesive unit, we haven't seen them really coming along. And I think in Roberto Martinez also, uh, I mean, he's been a, a, a decent fit for Belgium, no doubt. But I just don't think tactically he has the. Uh, I mean, he ha- I mean, he is capable of say outwitting someone like a, a Didier Deschamps, or and. Uh, I think Belgium at some point of time will be uh, running into France again. And it's just, I think, the the score of options that France has at its dis- disposal, I think it just makes France all the more stronger. Belgium will be relying on individual brilliance at the end of it all. And uh, let's not forget, Eden Hazard has been unfit for most of the season. He's not, I mean, you don't know how uh, well he's going to play now. Uh, yes, Lukaku is definitely something uh, to look out for. I mean, there's Kevin De Bruyne also will definitely be part of, if not the early part of the group stages, he'll definitely de- be there in the knockouts. I mean, uh, yes, Belgium do have the tools, but I just don't see them going that far. It's still, I mean, the defence that Belgium possesses at this point of time, it's an old ageing defence. So... I just don't see, I just don't find the balance in that Belgian squad to be able to actually nick an entire tournament. So, uh, guys, uh, so the next next thing that I wanted to ask you guys about is, okay, we, we've, we've given our obvious, like, you know, predictions in terms of who we feel will be the front front runners. Who do you think is going to be... So, two two questions. And I'll uh, just, just shoot it right away. One is the dark horses in this tournament. And the second will be a young player to watch out for. Pranav, this time you. Starting off with you. So, yeah. I mean, going through the groups and the teams, I think... Uh, no, Turkey might be one of them. So, because... You know, form is, form is obviously very important... In a short tournament, right? I mean, you might have the best players, but they are if out if they are out of form for a couple of games, then it can you know, cost you dearly. So, you know, their key striker is Burak Yilmaz, uh, who had a great season with Lille. Uh, couple, um, Lille obviously won the uh, you know League One, and there are a couple of players from that side in in this team, uh, which. Other than that, uh, if you look at the spine, then you know they have good defenders in Soyuncu, Damiral, and uh, you know the few of the old ones like uh, you know that guy whose name I can never pronounce, Hakan uh, Kalanoglu, something of that sort, right? Who is Kalanoglu? Yes. So who is obviously deadly from set pieces? So there are a lot of these, you know, uh, and obviously we don't know all the players. There are few. Who are even playing in the championship? Who've you know had really great seasons? Uh, so yeah, so even if you look at their the group at group in which they are, if they are playing against Italy, uh, Italy, Switzerland, and uh, Wales, so it won't be very difficult for them to get out of this group. Also, so I think yeah, overall, this is one one team that can spring a surprise. And your young player to watch out for? Well, uh, no, he's not that you know young, young in the sense 
like what a Jude Bellingham would be, for instance. But I am really excited to see Memphis this time around. So, no, I'll give you the reason. So, since he has left United, obviously he's done really well uh, for Leon uh, this season. Also, I guess he scored twenty goals or something. This is probably the first time he is getting again the chance to showcase what he can do at a slightly global stage. I think it's uh, the end. Uh, he's the key man now in the Netherlands attack. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a brilliant tournament. Obviously, he seems to have gotten his big move to Barca also. So, that's good for him. I think uh, if on song, he can be a you know, real difference maker for Netherlands. So, uh, I actually have two young players of to watch out for. One of them being David Turnbull from Celtic. And the other one is uh, Alexander Bastoni from Italy. Uh, from uh, Scotland, sorry, Turnbull. Uh, uh, would definitely be Italy. Love what Mancini has done. Uh, they've had a 26-game unbeaten run right prior to the Euros. Won 4-0 against Czech Republic in the warm-up game. Very, very excited to see them play. Verratti, Locatelli and Luca Pellegrini in midfield is just so much possession and ball control. It's not funny. Uh, an older player that I'm looking to watch out for is Benzema. I think this is out at an international tournament. And uh, after the season that he's had with Madrid, not phenomenal, but he's put in good numbers. I would say I'm excited to watch him play uh, at the top of that uh, France squad. Okay. So, if you ask me, I think the dark horses for the tournament and uh, is, according to me, England. Because uh, they, I mean, come to the round of 16, they'll be either facing most likely the Portugal or I mean, one of Portugal or France, maybe. Uh, but I s- somehow just get the feeling that uh, this England team is just again bursting with talent. I mean, the talent. I mean, the kind of tools that Gareth Southgate has got up top. He has. Uh, I mean, he has Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Mason Mount. I think that's. And I'm not even considering Raheem Sterling here at this moment. So, I mean, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, front six to be having. I mean, obviously not all can play at the same time, but the uh, kind of attacking options that England has at their disposal. I'd like to see Gareth Southgate take a bit bit more of a bold approach, not have the backfire, because I feel uh, with the talent that he's got at his disposal, he's got to be taking the game to... Uh, the opposition. Unleash the front four that he's got. I mean, with Mason Mount in the hole in number in the number 10 position, he is very capable of even kind of, you know, tracking back and like, you know, just helping out defensively a little. But uh, I think I think this tournament is going to be defined uh, not by the intricate uh, by intricate play or intricate passing. I think uh, we're going to see the teams that have those pacey wingers, the ones that, that can put in crosses and find their uh, strikers in the box. I think that's going to be a key in this tournament because what we've seen across uh, competitions, what we've seen across leagues is that I think the fullbacks today um, uh, play in a much more advanced role. So they're playing higher up the uh, pitch. So if, if your wingers can get ahead of 
uh, your full backs i mean there, there there's a whole host of options that are available and i think that is a place that is a position where i feel england have the tools to hurt other teams so i think uh, england for me will be the dark horses and i'd like to see them uh, progress and uh, take a few bold steps bold decisions and uh, who knows we might actually uh, f- see for the first time an england team actually winning something substantial and uh, again for, for me the player to watch out for the young player to watch out for is again from england uh, pranav just briefly touched upon him it's jude bellingham and uh, i certainly do feel that with the injury to jordan henderson and with calvin phillips also just kind of nursing a bit of a shoulder injury and not sure whether he's completely fit i just hope that he gets his chances because he's been phenomenal for borussia dortmund and i think in that double pivot with declan rice he could be phenomenal because he's young he's got he's got the legs his tracking back is excellent he's fantastic when he's even pressing and he is also amazing carrying the ball forward so he could be the perfect foil for someone like declan rice the ideal box to box midfielder that uh, england would was searching for since a long time and i think if given an opportunity uh, given a run in the big games and we've seen him hold his nerve against uh, the big the biggies like man city uh, recently in the champions league and he i think he he, he was the standout performer for borussia dortmund despite the likes of uh, erling haland and jaden sancho also being there he was the standout against man city in both the legs so i just feel gareth southgate has to find the courage to trust him play him in the starting 11 and i think we might just see i mean a, a breakout star for england and uh, yeah an obvious miss for manchester united yeah i think this one is going to keep coming back to haunt us and hurt us for a long time you know till the time we stump up almost 100 million to sign him so let's see so yeah i guess uh, i mean this is our euros uh, predictions so guys looking forward to the euros and uh, hopefully uh, ho- hopefully we see some united stars doing well uh not getting injured and maybe they can carry the confidence of the good euros performance into the next season okay to summarize uh, pranav your favorites are france and your dark horse is uh turkey turkey anirudh yours portugal and uh, england yeah mine is germany and italy okay this is going to be fun now yeah I think uh, there is one more way where we can you know still be competing if some people here agree to you know play the fantasy league if, you know, but yeah I guess people need to be bold enough and not get you know worried after like seven or eight consecutive defeats so let's see what happens <laughs> I'm still waiting for the payout uh, so for all the listeners out there uh... we uh, the three of us had made a bet as to whoever would come last in our mini league would have to wear uh, a manchester united jersey manchester city jersey uh, take a photo and be ragged about it for the rest of their lives so yeah so yeah anirudh lost it and he's still not honored the bet so well so yeah. i think maybe before the start of next season i'll get hold of a man city jersey very proudly so they are champions 
they are champions so it's i mean there's no harm in getting associated with champions in any way whatsoever so and see as long as it's not liverpool it's fine with me it's liverpool that would have really hurt me the most but I'm, don't give us ideas for stakes next season anil well there wouldn't be no there there wouldn't be any stakes <laughs> if i'd be playing right so this is like uh, yeah. yeah so this is me kind of signing off now Signing off from the podcast. Signing off from this episode, and yeah, <laughs> looking Bye-bye. forward to the Euros, guys. All right, thanks a lot.